everybody, welcome into the Flex Spot Podcast. Here we are again. Uh, we're going to wrap up the fantasy season today, 2020 review part two. We did quarterbacks and running backs last week. This week, we're going to do a quick review on this year's crop of wide receivers and tight ends. And with me, as always, my co-host, I'll get it right this week, KJ Hepner. How you doing, KJ? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be uh, in this new year, you know, starting out healthy. I don't think I was on a podcast this year yet. Yeah, you were on last week's. Oh, shit, I was, wasn't I? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Dang, I mean. You, me, and Wow, Kyle man, time week. flies. Holy cow. Well, yeah, I guess, well, happy New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, uh, KJ didn't know it was uh, 2021 last week, so... Uh... Man, so I've been weird, everybody. <laughs> I've been stupid busy the past couple weeks just with work. It, the weekend, the weeks fly by, and the weekends go by quicker. That's true. So uh, before we get going, uh, I figured we'd talk a little bit about the bets that we made this year. It looks like you're going to come out on top this year, KJ. Two of three went in your favor. We'll go over them here real quick for everybody. Derek Henry, over 1,000 rushing yards. I bet that he would make it. You bet that he would not. He ended up finishing with 2,027 yeah. yards. So that was a win for me. That was a $5 bet, so you owe me a 5 ski there. You know, uh, that was just to get underneath your skin. Because as soon as I said something, you were all over it. So I'll take that one. Like you made that because I took Derek Henry in the first round of our league or something like that. So yeah, that's why you made that bet with me. So it's not a good one for you. And plus, though. I don't normally go for Derek Henry anyway. So, yeah, but the next one was not a good one for me. I went with Mark Andrews over a thousand receiving yards. He finished the season with 701. So he was 299 yards short there. Uh, so I owe Hepner a beer for that one. But man, Mark Andrews, the second half of the year, he really did turn it on a little bit, got going you know lamar jackson got going and the ravens offense got going so it was a good second half but that slow start just doomed me there and then our third bet here also going in kj's favor we made it on the week five show uh we just we said week five to the end of the year kj had dj moore scoring more fantasy points i picked robbie anderson to score more fantasy points dj moore finished from week five on with 164.7 Robbie Anderson, 152.4. So Robbie Anderson coming up about 12 fantasy points short there. So Hepner once again, wins a beer. So I owe you two beers. You owe me a $5 bill. But all in all, a pretty good year. and Pretty good. A uh, couple of close bets there, I thought. It was. I think the first the first one, Derrick Henry, of course, was just a... Uh, I know you needed my five bucks, so I just gave it to you. But I was desperate it, for that. <laughs> yeah, really desperate. But I got two beers out of it, so it pretty much paid myself. But no, the DJ Moore, I really like the DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson one. That was just super close in points. But if you look at their stats a little closer, I mean, the yards was quite a bit different. I mean, Robbie Anderson had 15 more targets, 16 more targets than DJ Moore but also had almost 200 yards less. Right. So, it, I mean, DJ Moore definitely worked the opportunities that he got. It, 
he just a little bit outperformed Anderson at that. And it's just, it's crazy to see those numbers. And neither one of those guys finished as the top Panthers wide receiver. That was actually Curtis Samuel. He, he had the most fantasy points of any Carolina wide receiver. So <laughs> we were between the number two and number three guys on the team, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. So once again, guys, we're going to talk 2020 review part two wide receivers and tight ends this week. But before we get going, KJ, why don't you give these guys your social media? Yeah. Hit me up at Twitter. K Hepner 55. And you can follow me on Twitter at Master Smithers. Follow the FlexSpot Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at FlexSpot Podcast. Check out the website, FlexSpotPod.com. Try to get some off-season content out to you guys there. You can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash TheFlexSpot. $5 a month gets you exclusive members-only content. So go ahead and slide into the Fantasy Five. Five pieces of fantasy news you need to know and... We'll start with a big one here. Philadelphia Eagles have fired head coach Doug Peterson. Last week in the Fantasy Five, we talked about all the coaches that have been fired to this point. We did bring up Peterson as a guy that we were surprised still had a job. So what are your thoughts here, KJ? Do you think Doug Peterson deserved uh, getting canned here from the Philadelphia job? He did just win a Super Bowl not long ago. Man, it was about time. He's been making some finicky moves over the season, and... Even his players are disagreeing. I mean, they pretty sure they almost had a brawl on the field. Uh, a couple news articles were saying that they had to hold some players back during the game, just keep them separated. Just what he was trying to do with that team, they didn't like it at all. So if your players don't like it and they end up don't liking you, that's a big problem. So it definitely was deserved. Yeah, sadly, this is the right move for the Eagles to make because – You mentioned it. He lost the locker room. The players didn't really have any respect or or will to go play for him. So if that's the case, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, if your players don't like you and don't want to play for you, then uh, it's going to be tough for you to to lead them to to, you know, their desired result, which is obviously a Super Bowl and, and multiple playoff appearances and stuff. But yeah, it was definitely it was reported, you know, Carson Wentz and Peterson were kind of butt heads a little bit this season. Obviously so with Wentz getting benched for Jalen Hurts, but I feel like the Eagles got into a predicament here where they had to choose one or the other. It was either Wentz or Peterson. They decided to choose Wentz. I think it was because his contract uh, makes it a little difficult for him to be moved anywhere. So I think they decided to stick with their QB and they're going to look to bring in somebody that can figure out what went wrong with Carson Wentz because not long ago he was a very good quarterback and and you look at what he did this year, it just was not good. So what do you think as far as potential fits here? Uh, do you think, who do you got getting that Eagles job? To be honest, I don't even know. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of names floating around out there, especially since nobody has really signed anywhere yet. But I'm hoping, <laughs> the, the person I'm hoping for is that I hope they hire Adam Gase just because, uh, he's a terrible head coach, and I don't really like the Eagles, so <laughs> that's, that's who I'd like to see them. <laughs> I'd like to see them hire him so that they struggle for for a couple years yet. But I uh, look at the potential fits for the Eagles. I think Eric Bieniemy of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he's your top uh, candidate here. He would be the guy that I would be looking at hardest if I was, you know, the front office of the Eagles. He comes from Andy Reid coaching tree coaching system there in Kansas City. His offensive coordinator of one of the best offenses in the league. And I think he would be able to bring in the guys 
that can help straighten out Carson Wentz and get that offense back on the right track. You don't think they would move their offensive coordinator up? I don't think so. I think they'll probably go externally somewhere to to find the right fit. Uh, I do know, I, I did hear that Deuce Staley was interviewing. I forget what position he holds. He he was a running back coach for a while. I don't know if he still is or, or what, but I saw he was going to get an interview, so wouldn't be surprised to see him get a shot either. He, he's been a, a fixture on that staff for a while, but I do think they go external. So move to the second piece of news here. According to Tom Pelissero on Twitter, former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn has been hired to become the Dallas Cowboys' next defensive coordinator. If you remember, Dan Quinn was the Seattle defensive coordinator during their heyday in 2013-2014 prior to taking the head coach job in Atlanta. So what do you think here? You like this move by Dallas? I do like this move. It makes me nervous for the future of this Dallas defense in a good way. I mean, you just talked about that boom in Seattle in 2013 under Quinn. He had the number one and fewest passing yards for that defense and eighth fewest rushing yards allowed. In 2014, they even did better. They had number one and fewest passing yards, but also third fewest for rushing yards. So he had a great time. He knows how to run a defense and him coming into that Dallas will really help out that team make that playoff push. I mean, they're kind of flirting with a lot past year or two. Um, It's just they didn't have much of a defense this year. And it turns out their offense ain't the same. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you here. I absolutely love this move. When the Cowboys are 100% healthy and at their best, their offense is really good, but their defense has been what has let them down the past couple seasons. Bringing in a uh, defensive-minded guy, obviously, to, to be the defensive coordinator, but bringing in a guy that's had this kind of success in the league already in a tough division in the NFC West. I think this is huge. You know, he he's coached elite defenses. He can, uh, if he can turn this Dallas defense into something uh, like what he did in Seattle, the NFC East is definitely going to be in trouble because Dallas's offense, when Dak comes back is going to be, you know, just as good as ever, I think. So uh, yeah, I love the move here. You know, if, if everything pans out right, Dallas could be a, a tough team to deal with in the next few seasons. So move to the third piece of news. Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay hopes that John Wolford, Aaron Donald, and Cooper Cup will all be healthy and able to play against the Packers this weekend. John Wolford left the game with a neck injury, Aaron Donald with a rib injury, and Cooper Cup with a knee injury. They all left Saturday's game hurt at some point. So what do you think here? How important is it for the Rams to have these guys this weekend against the Packers? Well, I, it's definitely important for Donald and Cup. Now, Warford, on the other hand, I I don't think it's as much needed, but definitely a good backup. I mean, right now, Warford hasn't practiced at all this week. Goff has been a full participant, so I think they're leaning towards Goff coming back in. But, you know, Donald, he is the number one guy on that defense right now. He's creating that pressure for other quarterbacks and helping Ramsey out with with defending the wide receivers. So losing Donald is going to be a big hit to that defensive line and even giving pressure to the other quarterbacks. And Cooper Cub, they don't have much depth with wide receivers. So if you're losing one of your two guys there, there's not much target. Yeah, these guys, these three guys in particular, I think are – some of the most important players on the team and guys that are going to totally make a difference this weekend. 
You mentioned Donald. He's the key part to that defense. He's a great pass rusher. He gets pressure on the quarterback. He helps that whole defensive line play better and and get have a better chance because Aaron Donald, you're double teaming Aaron Donald. So that takes a guy away from all these other members of the defensive line and really helps these other guys get in there and make plays and get sacks and put pressure on the quarterback. And if the Rams are going to win this game, they're going to have to do that. So I don't see a way that they can possibly win with Aaron Donald on the sideline. And you mentioned Cup. He is kind of the same boat here. He's out there. He takes pressure off Robert Woods. If Cooper Cup is out of the game, Robert Woods is the guy at wide receiver. He's the number one playmaker at wide receiver left on that team. So I think it's big to have him as well. And then uh, Wolford, depending on what go- what's going on with Goff's thumb, he looked terrible last week, Goff did, coming in off of that thumb surgery. So uh, some interesting stats here on Jared Goff as well. Uh, they're going to be playing in Lambeau. Jared Goff has never thrown a touchdown pass in under 32-degree weather, and he's thrown five interceptions in games in under 32-degree weather. So he does not play well in the cold. And if he doesn't play well, if he plays any worse, I'll say if he plays any worse than he did last week, the Rams are not going to have a chance because somehow they scored 30 points in that game against Seattle and, and Goff was absolutely terrible. So, I mean, I these three guys are the difference maker to me, I think. And I'll ask you the question, KJ, would you start, if you're the Rams, are you starting Goff over Wolford this week? Well, if Wolford can play, I would definitely start him, but right now it's not leaning towards that. All right. But yeah, just like that stat you just gave, I mean, I'd, I'd stick to the facts and and play play Wolford on this one. Yeah, Wolford brings a whole another dimension to the Rams' offense because he's a scrambling type quarterback. He can make plays with his legs as well, and Jared Goff can't do that. And right now, Jared Goff can't really throw either because of how terrible you know the ball had came out of his hand with that thumb injury. So, I think if Wolford's healthy, you go Wolford and hope that your defense holds up enough to limit the Packers and do exactly what you did last week. You went out there, you shut the Seahawks, you know, you held them to 20 points and your offense was able to go out and get enough done to get the win. Uh, The pick six helps as well on defense, but yeah, the defense did a great job last week. And if they can do it again this week, I think Wolford gives the Rams the best chance to win. Plus the Packers don't have much film on Wolford. So, you know, that could be another advantage for the Rams. Absolutely. So we'll move to the fourth piece of news here. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that the Bills' Zach Moss will miss the rest of the postseason. So let's talk about the Bills' running backs. What kind of impact does this have on the Bills as a whole? And then do you think Devin Singletary can be the guy and you know be the primary number one back on this team and you know not have Zach Moss around to help him out? As a whole, I, I don't think it'll hurt too much, but as a run game, it definitely will make it struggle. Zach Moss was outperforming Singletary in the last three games with attempts. I mean, they they were kind of relying on, on these past three games, and you take that out, Devin Singletary wasn't doing good at all. Uh, he was just putting up just a hair below average um, average attempts. It, it just it's going to hurt a little bit. And if you look last year, they even had someone swapping in for De- Devin Singletary and him splitting carries with Frank Gore. 
I mean, I just think it's going to take a hit because he hasn't had a full workload like that. Yeah, I think when I look at these guys and this backfield and the Bills as a whole, I don't think the Bills will struggle too much without him. The Bills have made their hay running the ball or uh, passing the ball this year. They struggled to run the ball all season long. So I think Singletary should be able to do enough to do what the Bills need him to do because the Bills are more of a passing team. They And, and Josh Allen can run as well. He's I'm sure Josh Allen's going to be asked to do some work in the running game as well here in this one. So I'm not too worried about the Bills as a whole with, with Zach Moss missing. And I think Devin Singletary can do just fine. He never he kind of had the lead back role for a few games last year when Frank Gore was hurt and he did fine. So I think Devin Singletary can still take care of business or at least as much as the bills are going to need him to. Yeah. And I, like you said, I think Josh Allen being that mobile quarterback helps relieve some of that pressure. I mean, he's up there with the t- running attempts with him almost. Oh, do you think uh, TJ Yeldon will make an appearance? Yeah, I think we see a little bit of TJ Yeldon in this one. And I think we see some Antonio Williams too. Uh, because you look at what Williams did back in week 17 when the Bills were kind of resting their starters a little bit. He had a huge game. He had 12 carries, 63 yards, two rushing touchdowns. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a healthy dose of him maybe filling in and taking some of those Zach Moss carries. But I think Devin Singletary is going to be the guy that you're going to need to get the job done. I, I don't know if if that was a fluke game for Williams or if he's going to be able to repeat anything like that. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some other guys get touches and get some work back there, but I think Devin Singletary ends up being the main guy. So let's hit our last piece of news here. According to the Chicago Tribune, when asked about his impending free agency, wide receiver Allen Robinson said, quote, right now everything is pretty much on the table. So what do you think about this? Where do you think he ends up and where do you want him to end up? Well, I mean, there's always teams looking for wide receivers, and he's been pretty decent the past two years. He's actually posted over a 1,000 yards the past two years. He's been that number one wide receiver for the Chicago, and I think he can go to the Giants, the Eagles, um, maybe even Miami to help out down there. You're looking for a guy that can be a wide receiver one and two at the same time. He's not elite wide receiver one, but he's on the fringe of the one and two mark. So he can be used in a lot of different places. Even I well, I would say Houston, but not that they have a couple receivers there and they might draft one, but definitely those teams at least take a look at um, where I want him to go. I mean, Hey man, if you really want him to, you can come down to Broncos, Denver Broncos. I'll take them. Do they need him though? Cortland Sutton and Jerry. No, you can always use some talent like that. I mean, yeah. You know, when I, think about Allen Robinson what really makes the most sense to me sadly is New England Patriots because the Patriots have a ton of cap space and they you know they have plenty of money to give him so if he's chasing the dollar bills I could see him ending up in New England but you know he'd be the true number one receiver there he would be a number one guy but the Patriots are kind of struggling right now with finding a quarterback Cam Newton wasn't the answer it doesn't sound like he'll be back from what we saw of Jared Stidham this year, he is not going to be the answer. So I could see New England going out, getting a quarterback, getting Allen Robinson, and that might be all they need to get back and, you know, be competitive in the AFC East again. Yeah, that's a good look too. 
But as far as where I'd want him to go, uh, I got two teams here at the top of my... Well, I actually have three teams here at the top of my list. I think Baltimore could use Ooh. a guy like Allen Robinson. Uh, I think Cincinnati, the Bengals, could use a guy like Allen Robinson. With Joe Burrow there coming, you know, he's a decent quarterback. He's showed some stuff in his rookie year. And then the Detroit Lions. Kenny Galladay is out of there. He's a free agent as well. So if they want to bring in Allen Robinson and if they bring Matt, Sta- Matt Stafford back, uh, that would be a good combo too, I think. Yeah, those are two really good places for him to land. Yeah, so uh, I, I just hope he ends up somewhere where he's a wide receiver one with an above average quarterback because he's been a wide receiver one with the Bears. He's been a wide receiver one with the Jaguars before that, but he's just never had any kind of quarterback. You know, he's he's always, even in college when it was Christian Hackenberg throwing him the ball, he's never really had a good quarterback to really show what he can truly do. So I, I'm really hoping that he gets out and gets somewhere where he can be a wide receiver one with an above-average quarterback. Uh, maybe Green Bay, but they had Devontae Adams, so he wouldn't be the number one there. He'd be the two, but still, that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be stupid crazy. Wow, I couldn't even fathom that. All right, so we're going to move into our main content here, 2020 Review Part 2. We'll start with our wide receivers. And once again, if you guys missed it last week, we're just taking a look back. We're going to talk over our top 12 wide receivers, the top 12 tight ends in PPR scoring as far as total fantasy points go. And we're just going to talk over some guys that we liked, some guys that we hit on, some guys that we missed on, what we maybe what we can expect next year, you know, and, and just kind of, you know, just a little loose conversation about uh, some guys that interest us on this top 12 list. So I'll go down through first. Well, like I said, we'll do wide receivers. Top 12, PPR, total fantasy point uh, wide receivers this year. Number one, Devontae Adams. Number two, Tyreek Hill. Three, Stephon Diggs. Four, DeAndre Hopkins. Five, Calvin Ridley. Six, Justin Jefferson. Seven, DK Metcalf. Eight, Tyler Lockett. Nine, the guy we just talked about, Allen Robinson. Ten, Adam Thielen. And 11, Mike Evans. And 12, A.J. Brown. So go ahead and kick us off here. Who do you want to talk about? Yeah, I guess uh, the obvious one would be the rookie, Justin Jefferson, coming in the top 10, first year. Yeah, very impressive there. Very impressive rookie year from him. Uh, to You know, essentially the first two weeks, he was not really that big of a piece of the offense. And then to explode the way that he did and finish as a, a top six wide receiver, that was a very impressive season by him. Yeah, and who would ever guess it? I mean... I- how I feel about the Vikings and Diggs, I really like Stefan Diggs, as everyone probably knows already. But they capped him there. I mean, just looking at the stats, Jefferson got more targets this year than Diggs did in four of the five seasons he played with the Vikings. And he only had 125 targets. So I just think, I don't think they gave Diggs the opportunity. And I was talking with Carl, and he believes Jefferson is better than Diggs, I think they're pretty equal. I mean, of course, Jefferson's younger coming up, but the potential's there, too. Um, I think they're kind of almost the same. Stefan Diggs is an interesting case. You know, he spent all those years in Minnesota as the number two guy kind of behind Thielen, or maybe you would call him the 1B to Thielen's 1A. But he got out of town. He wasn't happy with what was happening in Minnesota, and 
I can't really blame him. He goes somewhere where he can show his stuff and be the number one wide receiver. And here he is, wide receiver three in fantasy points. He's one of the most electric wide receivers in the league this year, Stefan Diggs, I'm talking about. But yeah, these two guys, both of them, you know, this was a total win win move for the Vikings and the Bills because the Bills got an elite wide receiver one and the Vikings got draft picks where they were able to find a wide receiver that's just as good as Diggs or, you know, maybe eventually better. I wouldn't call him better yet, but yeah, Justin Jefferson, very impressive first year uh, flanking Adam Thielen for the, the uh, Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. Anybody else you want to hit on here? Hmm. Let's see here. You know, DK Metcalf snuck up there, you know, in the beginning of the season I, I would have had him in the high teens, low twenties, finishing in his second year. I didn't think he was going to break out until next year, but you know it's gonna it's gonna happen sooner or later with him. But this year was just amazing for him, and Russell Wilson was able to keep him and lock it up there in the ten. Yeah, I slept on Metcalf as well. Uh, I do have here on my list, you know, the back to back Seahawks here, Metcalf at seven, Lockett at eight. Definitely an interesting duo there. Uh, Russell Wilson had a huge first half of the season kind of tailed off a little bit at the end, but yeah, DK Metcalf, I didn't have him, you know, as a top pick, you know, for me going into this year. So yeah, Metcalf was a little bit of a surprise as well in this top, uh, top 12. Who'd you have any surprises? Uh, well, like we talked about Stefan Diggs already a little bit, but we were both, pretty high on him i think you had him in your top 10 i think you had him at 10 and i had him at 12 or something like that coming into yeah. the year uh turns out we were both too low <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> but uh yeah he was just an absolute game changer this year for for fantasy managers because i think if you drafted stefan diggs he was a sixth round pick this year he was yeah. going as wide receiver 25 between wide receiver 25 and wide receiver 30 so if you drafted him there, he was he was then, you know, your your number two, number three, number four wide receiver, and you got the number three wide receiver on the year. So that was just huge uh for him. Another guy I want to talk about, Calvin Ridley. Uh, above Julio Jones here, knocked Julio Jones out of the top twelve. Uh Julio dealt a little bit with injury, but do you think this is a little, is a little bit of changing of the guard here? Do you think Ridley is now going to be the guy in Atlanta? I think so. I, I really do. I mean, it really hurt Julio missing seven games a season so far, and I think that's what really boosted Ridley. I mean, you got to see Ridley on his own without Julio. So that was really nice to see that he can stand alone as the wide receiver one for that team. So I think it does put him up there, and I think the team Atlanta would be all right moving away from Julio. I know he's been there for a while and established himself, and it'd be kind of a heartbreak to see him leave, but I think they would be just fine with Ridley. And they also have uh, Gage. He's he he had some good games this year. I mean, he like flashes with some good quality outputs, and uh, I think Gage could possibly step up next year too as well. I'm not saying top ten well, but he can step up from where he was, of course. Yeah, I think he can step up as far as a wide receiver three on a team can. You know, you know, I'm I'm not expecting next year to be talking about three top twelve Falcons wide receivers, but <laughs> um, yeah, I I like what Russell Gage did this year when he was called upon. So 
but yeah, I think I agree. I think Calvin Ridley, this might be his team now. He might end up being the wide receiver one on this team going forward. Julio Jones is getting a little up there in age. He doesn't have that many, if you want to call what he's been doing elite, he doesn't have very many elite seasons left, I don't think, in the tank. So uh, I think seeing Calvin Ridley break out like this, finish as wide receiver five, this is big for the Falcons and big for fantasy owners. If you were able to get a guy like Calvin Ridley in Dynasty before he broke out or uh, going forward next year, who knows how high he's going to end up going in fantasy drafts. This is a guy I think you got to keep an eye on, uh, Calvin Ridley. And then the last guy I do want to talk about here that I have on my list is Mike Evans. We talked preseason about Tampa Bay. I thought Tom Brady was either going to be a top five QB or outside the top 15 QB. I thought he was either going to come into Tampa Bay and absolutely bring it, or he was going to struggle a little bit. And it, he actually was in between. He, I didn't think there was a chance that that would happen, but he was kind of an in-between guy. I think he finished as QB like eight or nine or something like that. But yeah, I, I picked Mike Evans as my Tampa Bay receiver to finish in the top 12 this year, and he did. Uh, I'd had Godwin outside and he did finish outside. So that was a good call by me, pat myself on the back a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it was kind of what I expected. I don't know. What did you expect to see out of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay receivers this year compared to what did happen? Well, I kind of expected him to hold up Godwin and, uh, and Evans, but they added Brown into it and they, brought Gronkowski in it just they had so many weapons and I mean as you can see this year Tom Brady really doesn't care who you are he'll still toss around the ball I mean he wants the team to do well not just a certain player but he'll help out players you know I just I thought he was going to be able to use Godwin a little more than what he actually did yeah Godwin was a little banged up here and there as well I believe he missed he missed like two or three or four games over the stretch of the season so that didn't help either but yeah, it just seemed like Godwin wasn't, he didn't quite have what people expected him to have this year. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to bounce back next year. But he's not, Godwin's not a guy that I'm looking to probably acquire right now. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to be the answer or not. And then you got to look at how long is Tom Brady going to still play for Tampa? maybe next year, but after that, now you're talking about a team that's going to be looking for a new quarterback again. So I don't know. I'm I'm happy with Mike Evans being able to finish in the top 12. People m- might say that it's not true, but Mike Evans is one of the best receivers in the league with what he does. You know, we seven straight thousand yard seasons we talked about last week, the only player to do it. So what he's able to do is is truly great. And uh, I really like Mike Evans going forward. He's he's going to give you those bust fantasy games every once in a while, but he's also going to give you those 40-plus point games uh, and just totally explode in a few. So uh, nice season by Mike Evans to finish as wide receiver 11. You got any more wide receivers you want to talk about? I guess uh, I do want to talk about A.J. Brown. I, I mean, coming into the season, I knew he was going to be a, a great wide receiver. Just didn't think it was going to be that good. Uh, coming in at number 12 on the season. I think next year he's going to be a key player to look at. He's he's proven two years in a row that he can do it, and he keeps on stepping up. So 
I think this third year coming up, he he's going to be a good wide receiver to watch out for. He might be drafted a little high, which I'm kind of worried about. I hope not, but uh, he'd be a, a good ad- addition to your team next year. So I'd, I'd see what happens there. And uh, Tannehill, hey, man, we just talked about him last episode. He came seventh overall quarterback. So their offense is moving the ball, uh, not just on the ground with Derrick Henry, but in the air too. I mean, Brown's been showing some good fantasy outputs this year. Yeah, it was kind of a quiet, sneaky wide receiver 12 finish for A.J. Brown, and I'm hoping that that's able to keep him down on some people's draft boards and and lower on people's radars next year because I don't think A.J. Brown has broken out yet. I don't think he has truly unleashed his full potential yet, and that's kind of scary because if he hasn't broken out and he finished as a wide receiver 12 this year, you know, next year could be a top three wide receiver type finish if he's able to stay healthy and Tannehill's still there throwing him the football. I, I agree. A.J. Brown is somebody that I'm very high on next year, and I'd definitely be willing to take a shot on if the price is right as far as draft price goes. Yeah, I mean, that's I just want to highlight that for the listeners there. But yeah, definitely same here. I'm looking at him next year already. All right, so let's go ahead and move to tight ends. Once again, the top 12 in PPR scoring total fantasy points. Number one, Travis Kelsey. Number two, Darren Waller. Number three, Robert Tunyon. Number four, Logan Thomas. Number five, TJ Hawkinson. Six, Mark Andrews. Seven, Mike Gesicki. Eight, Noah Fant. Nine, Rob Gronkowski. Ten, Hayden Hurst. Eleven, Dalton Schultz. And 12, Hunter Henry. So where do you want to start here? I just want to start by saying off naming the top 10 tight ends you think would be easy. It's like, oh, these guys are always consistent. They got to be there. But I mean, injuries happen. New people step up that you don't even know about. And some rookies come in and people get traded. I think uh, I think the tight ends threw us for a loop. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Um, I, I would start with TJ Hawkinson. Man, I, I liked him last year, and this year he kind of – I didn't think he was going to be an outstanding tight end, but he proved to be a really solid threat on that defense for Detroit. He's ranked fifth as a tight end, as you just said, but they use him a lot. Stafford looks at him, uh, especially near the goal line. So I like that, and I see him improving next year as well. So he might be up on my radar as well, um, especially in the draft for a tight end. But what do you think about Hawkinson? Yeah, I don't like that we're still kind of on the same page here. He's he's a sleeper for me next year, TJ Hawkinson. If if his draft price is right, he's going to have a huge season again. As long as the Lions stick with Matt Stafford or bring in a quarterback that is going to help him out. Because tight ends usually take a few years to develop before they really reach their ceiling. And... Last year, TJ Hawkinson as a rookie, he struggled a little bit. He had that one really big game week one against the Cardinals, and then he struggled a lot the rest of the season. This year, he was much more consistent, much better uh, tight end to have as far as fantasy uh, goes. So, yeah, Hawkinson's a guy I'm very, uh, very high on next year as long as his situation stays relatively the same. You know, if the Lions end up bringing in some... You know, if or if they end up with like Chase Daniels at quarterback again, then you know he might struggle a little bit. But uh, if things stay the same in Detroit, I'm very excited to see T.J. Hawkinson uh, next season. 
Yeah, you're right, man. It is pretty scary. We're on the same page. Maybe we got to stop doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So who else do you got? Uh, well, why are you making me go first? You pick the next one. What do you got? Okay. I well, the first guy that's on my list that I want to talk about is probably. Well, I'll start at the top. Robert Tunyon, what or tight end number three. J- the biggest surprise of the season here. He completely came out of nowhere. Nobody expected. Robert Tunyon to end up being what he was this year. Green Bay Packers have never been a team that have used the tight end efficiently for fantasy. You know, they, they had Jimmy Graham for all those years. He was never any good. They've had guys and it's always like the next guy that's going to come in, he's going to be the guy because they brought in, I forget. It was like Mercedes Lewis a couple years ago and Jared cook. When they brought Jared cook in, it was like, okay, he's going to be the guy. And he never was. So people kind of shied away from that tight end position for the Packers because they didn't bring in that big name guy this year. And then Robert Tunyon comes out of nowhere. If people were taking a shot on green Bay tight ends, a lot of them were going for Jay Sternberger uh, of, you know, for, for green Bay tight ends. And he ends up not being the guy. And it's this Robert Tunyon guy that just comes out of nowhere. So uh, definitely a big year for a guy that was, definitely on nobody's radar coming into the year yeah he he surprised me too as well like you said the Packers just didn't give chances to tight ends in the previous years and no one would have gets this coming out but I kind of want to take it slow for next year on him I'm not gonna really draft him right away I wouldn't really look for him if you're gonna like sandbag on a tight end I would look towards him then but I wouldn't go up there and pick him as your third tight end off the board i just want to see more from i would say yeah i gotta agree with you here again kj he's not a guy that i'm targeting for next year he's just kind of a guy that i'm gonna keep an eye on if he falls far enough then maybe i'll take a shot on him but not interested in robert tunyon i'd rather have some of these other guys that i want to talk about they're a little bit farther down in the top 10 to 12 here i'll go to the next guy down here and talk logan thomas another guy that came out of nowhere and he finally gets a shot. He this is his first year on the Washington football team. He came over from the Detroit Lions. He never really had a defined role in the offense for Detroit. He was a tight end slash quarterback slash all kinds of you know positions and pretty much did it all. <laughs> never really found a role there for Detroit. He comes over to Washington. He ends up, you know, Ron Rivera gets the coaching job. He says, you know what, this Logan Thomas guy, he could end up being our tight end one this year. I know we talked about him in, I don't know what episode it was, but very early in the season uh, when this was news that Logan Thomas was going to be the number one tight end, I remember talking about it and we're like, who is this guy? Like, we don't even know who this guy is. And then uh, I said to keep an eye on him and he ended up being the tight end four. He was a huge help for, for guys, he helped win me a championship this year for sure. So Logan Thomas should be a good late round target next year, especially you know if Alex Smith stays around in Washington. We don't know what they're going to do at quarterback either for next year yet. But Alex Smith is a big check down guy, check down to the tight end, and we saw that a couple times this year when Logan Thomas had monster games. So very excited about Logan Thomas going forward. I I really like this guy. Yeah, he does look promising, and like you were saying, he he's kind of like going to be a Robert Tunyon with me. I'm going to wait later in the rounds for that guy if I was looking for him. Um, but 
with the new coach in there, this might be a new game plan for Redskins to look at the tight ends more often. They never really did that before. I mean, so it is surprising to see him up there, especially a no-name guy like you were saying. All right. Who else do you got here that you want to talk about? Oh, there's a, I mean, there's a couple of names. Dalton Schultz. Uh, I would like to say about Hayden Hurst, but that didn't pan out too well for me. I mean, I ranked him ninth. He came in 10th, so I was pretty close. Uh, I think next year for Hayden Hurst, uh, definitely have a better season, better connection with uh, the quarterback and just being on the team. I think he'll definitely improve next year. Yeah, Hurst was a guy that was just too unreliable. You know, he he had a couple games where, well, the reason he is number 10, he had a three-game touchdown streak to end the season. So that was three straight games of of scoring a touchdown that lifted him back into the top 10 as far as fantasy goes. He was just very unreliable. He had eight games with a double-digit score, so that gives him eight games with a single-digit score as well for PPR fantasy, which is not good. And then four of those eight games where he scored single digits, he had under three fantasy points. So under three points in four different games, he was just an absolute killer if you started him in those weeks where he didn't do anything. So, yeah, he was very hot and cold. I'm probably going to stay away again next year from Hayden Hurst. You know, he, you know I talked shit on him <laughs> a little bit. So I'm probably going to stay away again next year. Kind of figured that one. I'll throw you a curveball, though. Um, who's not on this list that we had up on there? Uh, George Kittle, for sure. Uh, he was. Oh hurt. yeah, and I'm, I'm talking not about the obvious, but Zach Ertz, man, where where's he at? Eagles just did him dirty this year. I don't know. He he just looked bad this year. He just you know he came out as in the draft one of the top options. He was a top four guy. He just didn't play well. He just uh, you know he he didn't look good. The Eagles as a whole didn't look good. So yeah, Ertz sadly might be done. This might be the end of the road. I'm sure he's not going to be back with the Eagles next year because they're going to go they're going to move on and stick with Dallas Goddard, which is another guy that I'm surprised to not see here in the top 12, but uh Ertz Ertz might be done. He he might be worth a really late round flyer next year, but but Ertz is uh he's done as far as I'm concerned. Wow, he was tight end 31. Yeah, he missed some games to injury, but he never really had a game where he was really, really good. You know, he didn't. He never, never had a really good game. I mean, you got Ebron up there, Ingram, who's always getting hurt. George Kittle even had more points than him. He was gone for like eight games almost. <laughs> I mean, it, it that's just crazy. To see, it's all the way down there. I got a guy here I want to bring up quickly. Uh, Mike Asiki. I made that call in in the preseason. I had him as my tight end ten at the very bottom of my list. He ends up at seven, so that was a, a good call there. Really liked Gesicki coming into the year. He was he was kind of like Hayden Hurst. He had a couple of huge games. He had a couple of games where he disappeared, but when it got down to the end of the season, he started becoming a little bit more consistent. So Gesicki's a guy, too, next year I'm looking at. If I wait on tight end until later, uh, Gesicki's a guy that I, could, I, I would definitely give a shot to. He... He proved it this year. I think that he has what it takes to get the job done. So I like Kasiki going forward. Yeah, that's not a bad look. Uh, I think he'll improve definitely next year. I think they just got to get their QB situation <laughs> corrected, whatever they're doing there. And then the last guy I have highlighted is Gronk at nine. He stayed healthy, which was a very big surprise to me. I think it was like he hadn't played all 16 games in a year since 2012. So that was eight years ago. 
and he was finally able to stay healthy again. So that time off uh, as a retired uh, guy must have done him some good. Yeah, Adam ranked seventh, and I think the way Tampa Bay started him out, they didn't use him as the number one tool on the offense really helped save his uh, his health. You know, they have so many other options to toss the ball to. Like, Brady really didn't need Gronk there. I think it was more of a safety cushion, honestly. And it turned out great for Gronk. He played a whole season. That's right. So let's move into our games of the week here. We're talking uh, playoffs here, divisional round of the playoffs, game of the week. Which one are you looking most forward to? I'm looking forward to the Bucks versus Saints. You got two of the league's elite QBs going at it. Tom Brady seems to be playing with a great stride with his team, and all the pieces on the Bucks offense seem to be healthy, minus Evans, which is a little questionable. Did you hear any updates on him at all? I know it wasn't anything serious, but it was more of a, what, a knee sprain, I believe? Yeah, that, that happened in week 17, right? And I think he played last week, so he should be good to go, right? The Saints actually have their full offense together. You got Breeze on the field, you got Thomas on the field, you got my boy Sanders, you got Kamara. I mean, you finally got them all on the field at once. So that's going to be nice to see. You're going to see that powerhouse offense come back, and it's going to be a great battle between the two. Yeah, I think this will be a really good game as well. Uh, we're going to make our picks for all these games in a minute here, but yeah, I expect this to be a good game. Division rivalry game, both teams out of the NFC South. So I feel like anything can happen here. Tom Brady in the playoffs is a tough out, so... Should be a very good game, and we'll move to my game of the week. And, of course, I'm going to be a homer here to pick the Rams. The Rams at the Packers, 425 on Saturday. Uh, that's about all I have to say. I'm a Rams fan. I'm excited. <laughs> They're facing the best team in the league at home in the cold. It's going to be tough for the Rams, but definitely an exciting game this weekend, I think. It's an exciting game, and this will really test your Rams out. If they can apply pressure and these – the three key guys that we were talking about earlier, Orford, Donald, and Cup, are healthy enough to participate and healthy enough to give it their all. They got a good shot because their defense is strong. It's just that offense, we got to see if it can keep up. This is the, the number one thing I'm going to be watching in this game. Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. Who is going to come out on top to perhaps the best wide receiver in the league, the best corner in the league, which one is going to come out on top? I think whoever wins that matchup, I think their team's going to win the game. So we'll go ahead then and move into postseason picks. So give me your picks for this weekend's game. We'll start with the game we just talked about, Rams at Packers. It's 425 on Saturday. Who do you got here, KJ? Who are you picking? Uh, I really want to side with the Packers here on this one. They, they're just right now all healthy. Um, they've been going in great stride. Their defense has been picking up towards the end of the season. I think they're going to be able to handle the Rams. Um, Rodgers can handle the defense pressure and will make the correct moves and will be able to pull this one off. It's definitely going to be a tough game, but I think he'll be able to pull it off. Packers, I believe, are six and a half point favorites right now to win this game, but I'm taking the dogs here. I'm taking the Rams, my team. I just think I think Jalen Ramsey's going to shut down Devontae Adams. I think he can do it. It's going to be a really tough matchup if it's going to come down. We mentioned those three guys multiple times, Cup and Donald and Wolford. If Donald can go and Cup can go, I'm liking the Rams here. You saw last week, they don't need the offense to do much to get the win. So if the offense can just do a little bit, 
and that defense plays like it did last week, I'm taking the Rams here. I think maybe the week off hurts the Packers. Maybe they're, they it takes them a little while to get started, and we've seen teams be able to take advantage of the Packers' slow starts this year, namely Tampa Bay back in the early part of the season. I think it was like week three or something. They jumped out on the Packers and and beat them, uh, beat them up pretty bad. So I'm picking the Rams here. Second game, Baltimore Ravens at Buffalo Bills. Who you got here? Oh, definitely Buffalo Bills. Come on now. The Ravens just aren't consistent enough with the output on offense. They they just, it's solely Lamar Jackson at this point. And I know it's hard to contain him, but if they find ways to contain him, they will be good. I mean, they, they the Ravens just need more threats on that offense. It's just, it's hard right now to keep up with this Bills team. Yeah, Bills currently two and a half point favorites in this one, and I'm taking the Bills as well. They're my preseason pick, so I got to stick with them. Uh, Potential bad weather in the forecast for this one. Lamar Jackson has never played snow before, so I'm going to give the edge to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in this one. I think they get the job done. Moving on to the Sunday games. Sunday at 3.05, Cleveland Browns at Kansas City Chiefs. Where are you going here? You know, Cleveland Browns really shut out that Pittsburgh Steelers in that first quarter. If they can do that all four quarters to the Chiefs, I'm going to pick them, but I don't think they can. So I'm sad to say, but this is where the Browns will be clapped. Yeah, I uh, I got to agree here. Chiefs are 10-point favorites in this one. I think the Browns can stick with Kansas City, but I don't think they have enough to outplay Kansas City. So I'm going to take the Chiefs here in this one. Uh, I just think the Chiefs are too good. I think Mahomes and that offense is just too good uh, for the Browns to be able to stop. So we'll move to the last game then, Sunday, 6.40 p.m. Tampa Bay Bucks at New Orleans Saints. Who you got here? I'm going to pick the Bucks. Uh, I think Breeze deserves championship, but that doesn't mean he's going to get the get it. Um, Tom Brady's been taking the Bucks and striding with them so well in the past few games, like past six games, that he's just on a roll with them. And I don't think you can break Tom Brady's role right now. Uh, they're working great as a team. They're moving the ball around. Brady is finding that end zone with multiple guys. It's not just one guy he's relying on like Gronk alone. So I think the Bucks definitely have a better, a better chance of pulling this off. Yeah, Saints are three-point favorites here, but I'm taking the Bucks as well. They were my pick to lose to the Bills in the Super Bowl this year, so I'm going to stick with that as well. I think Tom Brady in the postseason is tough to beat, and I think he's just going to find a way to get the job done. He did it last week in a game where the Washington football team, Taylor Heineke, played probably the best game he ever did in his career and probably ever will play in his career. But Tom Brady and the Bucks, they were able to get the job done. So I think Tom Brady just has a way to get it done in the postseason, and I'm going to stick with it this week. Uh, give me the Bucks over the Saints in this one. So that's going to do it for us this week. 